As soon as the final gavel fell on the General Assembly's 2016 session, another session of sorts got underway. In keeping with long-standing tradition, Hoosier politicians of every stripe took to the road, the keyboard, the microphone, and or the airwaves to offer their spin on the just-concluded legislative proceedings. Republican Governor Mike Pence wrote an op-ed proclaiming Hoosiers the clear winners, and GOP House Speaker Brian Bosma said the session yielded significant progress on some of the biggest issues facing Indiana. House Democratic leader Scott Pelath, on the other hand, said that despite some worthwhile achievements, the session came up short in many areas, thereby giving Hoosier voters a clear choice in November's general election. Of all the assessments offered in the past week, however, perhaps the bluntest came from State Democratic Chairman John Zodi, who said the session could be summed up in a single word, failure. Hi, I'm John Schwannis, and on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, we'll hear from four people who don't have a dog, figuratively speaking, in this political fight. Four journalists who covered the session from start to finish. Indiana Lawmakers, from the State House to your house. Purdue researchers are finding new ways to treat cancer, provide drug-free therapies, advance wound repairs, reduce chronic illness symptoms, helping people, changing lives. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org. From the first week of January, when Indiana's 150 legislators converged on the State House until last week when they departed, my guests chronicled countless committee hearings, floor debates, rallies, and news conferences all in order to give their respective readers, listeners, and viewers an accurate, timely, and insightful look at the key issues facing the 2016 General Assembly. Now, we get to be the beneficiaries of their collective wisdom. I'm pleased to welcome to this week's roundtable discussion, Chelsea Schneider, who covers state government and public policy for the Indianapolis Star, Claire McInerney, a reporter and producer for Indiana Public Broadcasting, Jack Osowski, State House reporter for the Evansville Courier and Press, and Shana Cavazos, who covers state policy for Chalkbeat Indiana, a nonprofit news organization dedicated to the coverage of educational change. Thank you all for being here. I know you all should be napping or sleeping or vacationing, uh, all of the above. You've earned it. Um, great job this session all the way around, I, I thought. Lots of twists and turns, but you were there for all of them. <laughs> Let me go around and ask, we live in an era where we like to put labels on things and shorthand. If you had to label this session, Chelsea, what would it be? Well, I definitely would probably label it as a session where they played it safe, which is interesting because you came into session with, you know, Senator, Senate President Pro Tem David Long and House Speaker Brian Bosma having kind of bold goals, you know, for an election year. You know, David Long was saying, you know, we're going to debate LGBT rights issues Speaker Bosma really wanted um, tax increases to fund roads. But in the end, I think you really saw election year pressures kind of dwindle down on what they did. You know, LGBT rights stopped in the Senate. You know, it didn't get a full debate in that chamber. Um, you saw that the ultimate roads proposal didn't include any sort of tax increases. But you also kind of saw them move on things that could eventually help a conservative in the primary election increasing abortion restrictions in Indiana. So ultimately, I would say that they played it safe, but they also maneuvered themselves to have maybe um, a stronger hold on the primary season. And given the makeup of many lawmakers' uh, districts, their constituents, probably the abortion 
measures were in a way playing safe or solidifying their support among Definitely. some of those conservative mm -hmm. uh, portions of the Indiana electorate. Definitely. So we got one vote mm -hmm. for playing it safe. Claire, what, what, what do you say? Well, I focus mainly on education, but <clears throat> I would say it was one of those years where they kind of set the groundwork for other things. So on the topics I followed in terms of education, we did see a few reforms, but it was a short session. It was a non-budget session. And I think next year there will be bigger bills brought forward, bigger changes, but like Chelsea said, they kind of started a lot of discussions that we might see finished next year. And there are a few things uh, we can mine a lot of uh, mm -hmm. education topics, certainly, and I know you focus a lot on that, but yeah. you had maybe a small expansion in, in vouchers, at least in terms mm -hmm. of the enrollment periods. Uh, right. We dealt with some uh, teacher shortage. So I guess some issues, but you think more setting the stage for Well, the and the most significant change we saw in terms of education was getting rid of the I-STEP, which is our state assessment, and creating this committee to change it. And with new federal guidelines, we could see a bigger change in the test or not, but it just depends on what this committee chooses. But that was probably the most significant education thing that came out of it. All right. Label. Um, it was a crazy session. It was a busy session. Um, Wait, playing it safe and crazy. Well, <laughs> This, the, you guys are sitting next to each other. Yes. Just the, the scope of things that they, that from roads to they tackled daily fantasy sports to all the education stuff they did, um, I-STEP, and, the, and they did it all in a, in a short session, and they even, they even cut off a week um, for the Big Ten tournament. They tried to get the guys out of, out of Indianapolis for that. So, Which, the way that turned out, I wish they had not right, given up right. their rooms. Um, but, uh, but it was, it was just, they, they tried to cram a lot into a very, a very tight window. So there were a couple weeks um, when the first half wrapped up and then and when they got down to crunch time where it was, you know, there were 15, 16 different things all going on at once. It was a, it was a very, very chaotic it was, it was quite a mixture. I know some of the issues they mopped up were had been around for a decade, all the canned hunting or the notion of being able to uh, have regulation of hunting facilities where you have farm-raised uh, deer uh, inside enclosed areas, and that's been back and forth in the courts and in the General Assembly for, for years, and that was dealt with. So it was a little bit of everything. So, Shana. Um, I thought this was kind of a session where they stepped back and kind of undid a little bit of what had been done in previous sessions, at least in regards to education. Um, the first three weeks, in my mind, really stick out as being something kind of separate from the whole rest of the session when we saw the bills um, decoupling I-STEP uh, scores from teacher pay and from A to F accountability grades. You know, that kind of all happened in a short period of time, and it was a bit of a reaction to, um, you know, work that hadn't really been done until then. So it's kind of a, let's wait and see how I-STEP goes, and now we're going to go in and kind of fix it on, on the back end. And then with um, some of the bills we saw about dual credit and teacher uh, pay and incentivizing teachers to come to the state, um, some of that was a reaction to previous legislation that had made it a little bit more... I think a little bit more difficult for teachers to kind of navigate some of the issues that they're having to navigate now, especially in regards to um, salary and advanced degrees and things like that. Well, certainly the bills that hold uh, teachers harmless and school districts harmless effectively for last year's I-STEP scores, those were in some ways, I guess, going back to Chelsea's point, playing it safe because you had a, mm -hmm. what was it, an average of 20-point drop uh, on a statewide average of, in the uh, I-STEP scores from mm -hmm. prior year to, to last year. And that wouldn't sit well, I'm guessing, with a lot of uh, school districts and, and perhaps parents uh, and taxpayers mm -hmm. in those, those districts. So you yeah. see that as playing it safe as well? Uh, yeah, one of the things I really found interesting this session is the amount that the Indiana State Teachers Association was able to come to the State House and also, one, 
promote bills and get bills successfully through that they really wanted, like the hold harmless and removing any sort of negative consequences ISEP could have, you know, on teacher pay and school aid through up accountability grades. I can kind of imagine maybe three to four years ago they wouldn't have been as successful. I think state lawmakers basically would have said, we're going to keep the grades the same. We're just going to keep them accurate based on what the test results were. Um, and then you also saw them being able to stop measures like the ability to give supplemental or extra pay to teachers or allowing a superintendent to give that extra pay basically outside of the collective bargaining agreement. And the Indian State Teachers Association was really successful in stopping that. And I think Republicans, you know, Senator Long said, it's time for us to be seen as pro-teacher. We need to start pushing proposals because we've had you know, a couple of years where we've been seen as really anti-teacher, and I think that they are worried that could somehow affect the election outcome, especially because, you know, Senator Long has a primary opponent this year, um, Senator Kenley does as well, and also the margin between Mike Pence and John Gregg wasn't all that much in 2012. I mean, he barely lost. Three, so. three percentage points. Yeah, so I think, any, I, I think that they could be worried that making teachers even more upset could ultimately give John Gregg an edge, you know, just because he is so backed by Superintendent um, Glenda Ritz. And, and we have, I mentioned that for the, uh, the voucher vote, which mm -hmm. expen extended the period through which people could apply, that was much closer, I think, than some people thought. Wasn't that a passed uh, ultimately yeah. by a, a single mm -hmm. vote in one of the, the chambers? Uh, was that, was yeah, that a byproduct of, of lobbying by... ISTA or, or just, no. a, or I know we probably devote the next five hours to, to the role of public education versus vouchers, but yeah. is this signaling some sort of minor change in, in philosophy as it relates to public schools versus uh, the funding of private schools through vouchers? I think vouchers are here for a minute. I mean, at least um, when you have this many Republicans in the state legislature, and that's a very... Um, a very Republican ideal to have state school vouchers. That bill toward the end got very crazy. I mean, it mm -hmm. itself became a Frankenstein bill, mm -hmm. and then the rhetoric around it wasn't quite correct some of the times. And then those mm -hmm. last few days of session, you know, with Twitter and everything, it just became a storm that once you kind of dug into it, I think at Besides the voucher expansion, I do think the lawmakers were trying to be pro-teacher. Mm -hmm. um, the supplemental pay didn't really come back, like people were saying. Um, so I don't know if that really answers your question. No, that, that, but that, that was like no a slight answer. change. This, is, this yeah. isn't like one of those I-step tests. There is no <laughs> we, wrong answer. We, we, see that, we see that issue a lot towards the end of session mm -hmm. where they realize, okay, some of these bills aren't going to make it. Yeah. So they try mm -hmm. to cram uh, bills together. We saw the same thing with the, with the Rhodes bill. And I think to to Claire's point, people get confused about, mm -hmm. oh wait, this is this is in here now. I thought I thought this was dead. It it can be a confusing kind of uh, last couple days, and it, it's even confusing for for the journalists too, because mm -hmm. we're like, wait a minute, that same language that was that was here is now mm -hmm. in this bill that they're oh they're voting on it. And, and the Rhodes bill, in an odd way, perhaps correct me if I'm wrong, might have added uh, impetus to the passage of the funding for the, the next, uh, was it Next Generation uh, Scholarship Program mm -hmm. that Brian Bosman, yeah, House it, Speaker, had advocated because of this uh, notion of a looming teacher shortage. Putting aside, I think he had initially not even sought funding. It was mm -hmm, going to, mm -hmm. the, the language to put it in place, the program, and then fund it maybe with $6 million right. because of some of the horse trading on the road funding bill. He ended up with $10 million uh, is that is that one of the sort of uh, yeah, mean, is and, there a direct cause and, and could, effect there? Yeah, yeah, and you could you could throw regional cities that regional cities funding for the for the third region into that too, 
because Extra forty-two million dollars. Yeah, because so the, the house could... the house killed regional cities and said we're going to tie this into roads, and then the Senate killed uh, or Speaker Bosma's uh, teacher scholarship bill, and it was kind of it was kind of almost like a hostage situation. They said, <laughs> okay, here's our roads bill, and we're, we'll give you regional cities, and okay, we'll give Speaker Bosma ten million dollars to fund because originally he was only asking for six million, I think. Yeah. It was like they threw him an extra $4 million yeah. for, for roads in regional cities. Yeah, it was actually a great quote when we went up to the rostrum. We were like, well, Speaker Bosma, you're going to get $10 million for the program. He's like, well, that's what they offered, so that's what we took. You know, <laughs> And I honestly think that he thought at the beginning of the session he was going to get some sort of framework for the program set up and then come back in the budget year and then you know backfill the program so it could start in 2017, right, guys? Right. Um, <laughs> And I just think it's really interesting within the road funding debate that he actually, he lost the tax increase in his long-term approach, but he really got funding for maybe one of the only initiatives that got out this session that could be seen as solving the state's teacher shortage, right? So Yeah, a lot of uh, dynamics mm-hmm. probably that delivered some of the, uh, the very measures that enabled lawmakers to go back to their constituents and say, we were pro-teacher. Uh, I'm sure they were, but this, this just helped <laughs> along, the, along the way. From an education standpoint, uh, you know, we talked about setting the stage for some bigger issues last year. Some things that were put forth this year, such as the ability to consolidate to save money mm-hmm. at the at the uh, county level, uh, that didn't go anywhere. Some other right. things, uh, as we mentioned, the uh, sort of extra funding uh, out above and beyond collective bargaining didn't go anywhere, but uh, but other things did. And, and again, there was that notion that I steps got to go. If we're Republicans, we're Democrats, we're you name it, we don't like it, and it's got to go. <laughs> The question, though, is about the panel that will, uh, what is it, 22 members that will? Or 22 20, or 23. It was, it was very close. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that will decide what to replace it. And there was, of course, the argument about who would head that, whether it be Glenda Ritz, the Democratic state superintendent yeah. of public instruction or others. Will that, do you think, you follow education closely, produce tangible improvements in standardized testing in Indiana? It really depends what you think about standardized testing as to whether it's an improvement or not. Um, I still think there are a lot of people, um, a lot of parents, a lot of educators who are really unhappy with some of the high stakes attached to their standardized tests and might be okay with testing if it was less, if it fed less into other, you know, other very high high stress, high stakes areas like teacher pay, like this concept of school grades. Um, I think what the committee will have to do because lawmakers will. You know, parts of state law will have to be repealed. Um, everything mm-hmm. having to do with state testing in Indiana code mentions I-STEP. So this isn't just necessarily getting rid of one single test. This is getting rid of an entire testing program, which will have to be really seriously considered. Um, and the changes, while they could be, we could see something different from everyone I've spoken with, all of the various experts and um, people who are looking into um, rulemaking that's happening, happening right now at the federal level on the no Child Left Behind replacement, the Every Student Succeeds Act, um, are kind of saying that you know even if the timing of tests change and even if we are able to loosen certain stakes here and there under federal law, we still have to have a standardized test. It still has to produce kind of that one-year snapshot in time for every student. That's um, it's called a summative test, and it has to mm-hmm. do that. It can't just be a test where we kind of learn how you're doing in reading. There has to be a kind of end snapshot component to it. So I think for a lot of kids at least, 
they're probably not going to notice a whole lot of differences. I can't imagine, you know, if I were a kid in a classroom, I'm still answering the same questions, which our state owns um, and is continuing to develop. Um, the thing I think that will change that will be interesting to see is based on the conversations that happen and the things that they want to do in 2018, how quickly can they get that mm -hmm. together in a way where it's reliable, um, which are a lot of the conversations we've been having this year around ISTEP, what people are really unhappy about um, in, in some respects isn't necessarily the test itself. Um, you know, people were saying, we don't really hear a lot about how we don't like question six, um, but it's more like we don't really like the delays. We're not really happy with some of the scoring problems or potential scoring problems. Mm -hmm. And fixing that isn't a matter of changing the test entirely. It's, it's, it's making sure that there's enough time to do everything in the right way. Of course, when you said, can it be done by 2018, a couple of you chuckled, <laughs> and you were one of them, Claire. <laughs> this kind of goes back to the election year rhetoric we've been talking about. The reason the first three weeks of session were devoted to those two education bills was because we cobbled together a new I-STEP pretty quickly last mm -hmm. year, and students didn't do well. So we had to come back and correct the changes. Now this we're was asking- after Indiana withdrew from, from Common Core. Core and, right, yeah. and set its own uh, and different standards. Yeah, and so now we're doing the same thing again. We're creating a new test in only two years. Um, so we could see the same thing happen again, but like you said, we saw people on both sides of the aisle say, we gotta get rid of I-STEP, we gotta yeah. get rid of I-STEP. And so that, to me, seemed to scream election year rhetoric. But like Shana said, we own these test questions. We've paid mm -hmm. a lot of money for them. I don't think the ISIP's going to look very different. It's going to be yeah. called something different. Well, there had been a real reversal in position in some sectors mm -hmm. on whether something should be done about holding the, the schools mm -hmm. harmless. I mean, if Absolutely. I'm not mistaken, yeah. the, the governor's office and some Republican leadership had initially it. said, we need to keep the A through mm -hmm. F uh, grades as they are and let the chips mm -hmm. fall where they, they may. So again, that notion, I guess, of uh, pressure of, of an election looming. Mm -hmm. um, where else do you, do you think that uh, this might have been affected, uh, this session, by uh, the fact that we were looking at an election? Uh, you know, you got lawmakers who are eager to get back to their districts, eager to say, we brought you, uh, as they want to say, a billion dollars in additional road funding. Uh, do you see any other ways that uh, the pressure of, of, of the ballot box affected this session? Well, I really do think that the abortion bill had a lot to do with the fact that this year is an election year. I think the fact that the Senate added in language back to a House bill, and this is getting really procedural, but it's important on this bill to, to talk about the procedure. So it's basically, you know, the Senate added back into a House bill these restrictions that would basically, you know, bar a woman from seeking an abortion if she did so because of the gender or the race of her fetus, or if the fetus had a diagnosis of Down syndrome or even a potential diagnosis of a disability. So the bill returned back to the House, right? And the House Public Policy, you know, um, you know um, committee chair decided not to hear the Senate bill that contained those restrictions. But because the Senate sent the bill back over to the House, House Bill 1337, it kind of skipped, you know, the com committee level and then it skipped the second floor or second reading stage where they could amend the bill in the full chamber and they really kind of passed the bill through on one concurrence vote. So you had a lot of Republican women who were really upset about the procedure that was used to get that bill or those restrictions to the final vote. And I think even in the chamber that night, we really didn't, or they really didn't debate the actual merits of the proposal. Mm -hmm. Is this good public policy for Indiana? They actually really kind of debated the procedure to 
get it there. Well, that was so. interesting too. In fact, some of, and you're right, it may be mm -hmm. process or procedure, but it's very important to a lot right. of members of the General Assembly mm -hmm. who take the rules and the protocol very seriously. Right. And as you point out, the of the 11 uh, Republicans who sided with Democrats on this mm -hmm. issue, some of those female lawmakers, Republican lawmakers, had actually authored and introduced right. uh, restrictions, abortion restrictions in the mm -hmm. past, and yet this kind of procedural issue was enough to, to turn them off. Mm -hmm. Did you see anybody else, some other signs of, of that kind of infighting? You know, we used to joke that now there'd be Republican supermajorities in the House and Senate, it would be, you know, peace and harmony, everybody moves in lockstep, but actually we saw friction this year between the Republican caucus in the House, the Republican caucus in the Senate on a, several issues, including the road issue we talked about, uh, Brian Bosman in the House and, and David Long in the Senate, not necessarily seeing eye to eye on everything. It, yeah, I, is, is that just a maturation? I mean, first, maybe they were all getting accustomed to being in, in super majorities, but now you see some fault lines. To, yeah, uh, I, I, think, I think it's interesting because they have the super majority. They, I think they have the sense that, okay, whatever they want to get past, they can kind of get past. So it's, it's frustrating to them, I think, when they don't, when the, the House Republicans and the Senate Republicans don't agree on what's the best course of action. And then it looks bad because you have Republicans fighting amongst each other. Um, I think regional cities was a, was a good example of that, and I keep going back to that because Southwest Indiana was, was one of the regions. Um, but the Senate, from the get-go, seemed to think, oh, that's fine, we'll add another $42 million to, you know, if Governor Pence wants it, that's, that's okay. And you had some pushback from House Republicans, specifically on the Ways and Means Committee, who said, you know, we said we were going to give you two, and you went ahead and, and said you're going to get full funding for three. So I think there was a lot of a lot of disconnect on on that between between the Senate and the House and his, and, and the governor's office because as Brian Bosma, Speaker Bosma said, uh, upon hearing that the, the administration was pushing for a third city to be included, I think there was some comment to the effect that it would have been nice if we had known about it or been notified if of that. If you'd gotten a phone call, this, yeah. Uh, again, these are, <laughs> yeah. these are people on the same from the same party talking, showing that there are everything's not always uh, monolithic in terms of their opinions and approaches. Did you see much of that, uh, Shannon? Yeah, um, I think the teacher, the two teacher pay bills that were going through were a really good example of that. You know, you had um, two bills that were slightly different from each other. One originated in each house, and um, you know, lots of discussion, lots of debate during committee meetings about the you know the various merits of that kind of policy and what it would and wouldn't do for teachers and people who liked it and people who didn't like it. And then, kind of as we kind of we finally saw. Um, you know, House Bill 1004 moving forward, uh, I even asked Representative Boehning, you know, why he wasn't going to, you know, he normally doesn't hear some bills that are similar to his. So if, you know, he has this teacher pay bill going, he's not really going to consider the Senate version when they switched sides. And that's kind of how it had been until all of a sudden Senate Bill 10 appears on his agenda um, mm -hmm. about also about teacher pay. And it's like, what's going on? Um, and it wasn't really clear. He's normally very um, direct mm -hmm. and, and, really open with, with the media and with us about kind of what he wants to do and what his motivations are. But this is the first time I kind of saw him um, just hedge a little bit and hesitate, I think, to be clear, because it was there were conversations happening behind the scenes about um, bills going forward. And, you know, that very next day, I think, or that, that afternoon um, was when, you know, we learned that, uh, you know, David Long, Senator, Senator Long, just kind of announced um, to, to the press, just to the press, kind of in our um, weekly 
um, recaps of how the week went, he said, "Yeah, um, we're not gonna, we're not really gonna hear 10:04. I think, you know, I think we th we've decided that it's, you know, there's they use the term misinformation a lot, um, and we just decided that we're not gonna move forward with that. And Monday morning, first bill on the agenda is the other teacher pay bill. So there were obviously disagreements between." House Republicans and Senate Republicans about what they wanted the legislation to be. Um, the Senate bill actually ended up being a little bit more restrictive than the mm -hmm. House bill, and then eventually that that got scrapped as well. So it was, I mean, at least during that kind of, I think, second to last week of the session or third to last week, you could kind of see them going back and forth and trying to figure out how much do we push, how much do we pull to get their respective bills forward. And, and ultimately, obviously, they kind of agreed pretty much that this was an issue they didn't want to carry forward, although I think the... Um, the language that ended up in the massive uh, education bill, House Bill mm -hmm. 1005, that went through, um, absolutely sets the stage for continued conversations about that kind of legislation going forward. You know, you talk about these internal frictions. There also seemed to be some of that over the notion of home rule. You know, this age-old uh, preference that the lawmakers generally espouse about government's best when it's closest to the people. And you saw that with new authorization for road funding uh, at the county and, and city level. Uh, with wheel taxes that weren't uh, on the table before. And so in that regard, you think, okay, they're, they're, they're living up to that, that mantra, and yet they're banning, uh, they're forbidding local governments from, say, passing restrictions mm -hmm. or taxes on plastic bags, grocery bags, uh, for fear the Bloomington might do that. Which is, I mean, do you see that, is that a tension that seems to be playing out uh, more than in the past? Definitely. We'll be in, at the General Assembly for a couple of years. I think that they're really great at giving local government the opportunity to raise revenue themselves so they don't have to personally raise taxes. They give them, you know, the ability to bring in revenue and to, um, you know, loosen up revenue to meet their needs. But then you have all these, like, policy statements that they really start making on local government. And I think that not allowing them to pass any restrictions on plastic bags, that's a perfect example, right? So we asked Speaker Bosma for our story, you know, how do you really handle these issues? And he says it's kind of a case-to-case -case basis. But, you know, the plastic bag thing was kind of an overreach, so... Do you see much of that in the, this friction in the education arena uh, where it's, uh, because again, that, that's where you hear mm -hmm. school board, local school board, that's where we want those decisions. And then in many cases, here's what we want you to do. Here's the standardize this, here's the standardize I, that. I think education's different because there's not like money involved in terms right. of- No like, money in education. Well, in terms of- You like, need to be around a few more sessions, I think. <laughs> local a, taxes, well, okay, that type yeah. of thing is mm -hmm. what I mean. Yeah. So at the state level, we can do sweeping policy of mm -hmm. the test, everyone's gonna look like this. But when you administer the test, how often you're doing it, like that is completely school to school, Still not even district. So education, there is, I think, going to be that line. For, you know, there's always going to be that line of. At the same time, though, local, yeah. you know, local control is absolutely the the phrase yeah. that you hear a lot of. And I think this year it was interesting. It kind of felt like it's it's switched a little bit. Normally, um, I think that tends to be a more conservative idea mm -hmm. of smaller government, obviously, and and more choice. But this year we had the teachers union coming in and say. Yeah. It is up to teachers if they want to bargain this. It is up, mm -hmm. you know, it should be up to teachers and their representatives and their district. Um, that was the issue with school consolidation, where mm -hmm. um, you had districts coming in, uh, small small rural districts who were saying, we can already do this under state law, or rather there's nothing keeping us from doing that. So here's how we're doing it in this part of the state. And we don't need broader legislation that tells us um, exactly how and exactly how much of our um, can, uh, our residents need to support it. So it, it almost switched sides where you had the um, 
kind of some of the more left-leaning groups kind of stepping up and saying, hey, we want to make these decisions ourselves. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, you, you've given me a clear indication of where the session uh, was, <laughs> the makeup of the General Assembly, which I should point out was 17 retirements or at least 17 members right. not seeking re-election means everything you figured out now goes out the window when we get 17 <laughs> new faces in next year and we get to figure it out all over again. Thank you again for being here Thank for this you. discussion Thank of you. a very interesting session, whether it was safe, crazy, uh, or all of the above. <laughs> again, my guests have been Chelsea Schneider of the Indianapolis Star, Claire McInerney of Indiana Public Media, Zach Wasowski of the Evansville Courier and Press, and Shana Cavazos of Chalkbeat, Indiana. For more information, streaming episodes, and extra content, go to wfyi.org lawmakers. You can also visit us at WFYI on Facebook and Twitter. Use hashtag Indiana Lawmakers. And remember, you can get our show on demand from Xfinity and Bright House Networks. Well, that concludes another edition and another season of Indiana Lawmakers, the state's longest-running public affairs program. I'm John Schwannis, proud to be your host for the past two decades. And on behalf of WFYI Public Media, Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, and commentator Ed Feigenbaum, I thank you for joining us, and I invite you to come on back in January for the start of the General Assembly's 2017 session and Indiana Lawmakers' 36th season. Until then, take care. Purdue researcher Phil Owens is creating new ways to map soil functions, improve plant growth, and increase crop yields, leading through innovation and job creation. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org.